Welcome to Playmakers Impact Unleashed, your all access pass to the game changers of today and the history makers of tomorrow. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, sports industry veteran, author and speaker, founder of Purpose Labs, and your guide through an inspiring journey of courage, comeback, and transformation. Let's take a no BS look beyond the trophy cabinet to unleash every guest's impact and how they've achieved both success and significance so we can apply those same purpose-driven principles in our own lives and careers. As playmakers, let's get ready to lock arms and take action so we can all level up and make a play together. Hey, what's going on, Playmakers? I am so fired up to be able to share this conversation with you. But before we dive in, I just want to put something out there. This conversation is going to feel different. Because normally on Playmakers, we are all gas, no breaks. We are up-tempo, we're high-fiving, we're talking purpose, impact, legacy, let's go. Now, the same way that you just heard me fired up and shooting out of a cannon, this conversation is going to be different. The energy and the tone, much more relaxed, much more intimate. Frankly, it's exactly as most conversations go when you're connecting with an executive coach. It's not about the energy. It's about the authenticity. It's about the vulnerability. It's about the candor. And it's about the ability to look inside of yourself so that your coach can help you discover not only what you're most motivated toward, but what's getting in the way. And one of those things that always seems to get in the way for all of us are self-limiting beliefs. I had those self-limiting beliefs, there's no doubt. But because of my connection with Sue Ann, and frankly, she changed my life. She changed my life as my coach because she got me to believe in the decisions that I had to pull my own triggers, but I needed that person in my corner to say that somebody believed in me and somebody validated the thought that I could have a Jerry Maguire moment, that maybe there was a bigger calling for me beyond the sports industry. Maybe the corporate box was not for me. Maybe it was the entrepreneurial route. All of these different forks in the road, maybe some of which you're facing as well, I had to overcome the fear, the risk, the uncertainty, the anxiety. And so as playmakers, if we're being honest with one another, maybe you have a self-limiting belief as well. And I believe that this conversation can help tremendously for you to shine a light on it, gain awareness about it, and then most important, take action to dig out of that hole, overcome that self-limiting belief, and then take action and unleash your impact. Enjoy the conversation. Big thanks to audible.com for being a sponsor of today's show. As playmakers, we're all about leveling up and lifelong learning. So what could be better than a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com? With over 200,000 titles to choose from, there is no limit to what you can explore. Perhaps, and these are just a few of my personal favorites, you want to check out The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. Consider this 
chicken soup for the soul of personal growth. Or maybe you dive into Grit by Angela Duckworth, where she unpacks the power of what happens when passion meets perseverance. Again, to download your free audiobook today, go to audible.playmakerspod.com. Over the last 25 years, Sue Ann Gonis has held senior leadership positions, including being the global internal executive coach for a Fortune 50 company. She's also coached more than 700 executives and clients to enhance their influence and impact, all in the spirit of creating more prosperity, balance, and fulfillment in their careers and life. She's worked with clients including Amazon, the Walt Disney Company, Apple, Google, and the University of Michigan, Ross School of Business, which is where I met her. With that, let's welcome Sue Ann into the conversation. Sue Ann, welcome to Playmakers. How are we doing? Doing great, Paul. Thank you. Absolutely. So I should start off by sharing how special our relationship is and as much as I would love to say that we're opening up every podcast with a level of depth that you and I have by history, it ranges from our level of relationship to sometimes their much newer relationships, but just for the audience to bring them into our world and really expose the beautiful things of our past. So we know each other from when I enjoyed my EMBA experience with Michigan and you were my executive coach and supported me with what started on the career front but then turned out to have some pretty significant life transformations that followed. And a lot of this I've already shared with you. And that's really where I want to start. And we're going to go deep right off the bat because I feel like our relationship is there. And so I've said this to you in person. I've probably have posted it online, but you have truly changed my life. And I don't say those words lightheartedly. I say those from my heart. I say those to the deepest level of purpose that I have you've changed my life, obviously for the better. And so I just want to know, what does it feel like to hear that? Well, I felt it right in my heart when you said that. That's what that feels like. It's, it's deep. And the fact that, I mean, it was so easy to see your gift, Paul. Everybody could see your gift. But the fact that you took the plunge, basically. And you said, I'm going to take this gift out to the world. That's been incredibly rewarding for me as your coach to watch. Mm -hmm. And so when I say deep, because that is such a big part of my purpose, I guess that's my why. Ah. And you got to be a part of that why me witnessing you finding your passion, your gift, your internal gift, and then actually now taking it out to the world to inspire other people with that gift. That's, mm. I, I mean, that's like a dream come true for me to be able to be a part of something like that. I love that. Well, thank you so much. And as, as much as it was a pleasure and an honor to hear it coming from me, then know that you just reciprocated. And so what I'd love to unpack is 
the power of belief in people that you have, because in reality, you can give me some of the credit for, as you said, taking the plunge. I've called it a leap of faith, my Jerry Maguire moment, whatever other factors or metaphors we want to put around this. But in reality, I'd love to know, where does that belief in people come from? What are the roots of your belief in people? Oh, that's an interesting question, Paul, because I've had that for as long as I can remember. And maybe that's part of my gift. I don't know. It's just a part of who I am. And wanting the very best for everyone. And especially, you know, helping them discover what that is. Mm-hmm. I've always had a lot of empathy and compassion for other people. And when I see that they're really they're willing to work and take responsibility for their lives, that's what excites me. So there needs to be a combination there. So in other words, if I see something for someone that they don't see and we can bring that out together, that's a beautiful thing. But when people don't take responsibility for their lives, that's more difficult for me. Right. So this, in essence, I, you've heard me say this, and it's even in my book, but I have a saying about meet me at the 50. And that is my definition of partnership. It's when I say I will authentically be at the 50-yard line. So the metaphor is there's a 100-yard football field. I feel it's unfair for me to come 49. It's also unfair for me to go 51 because now you're not putting in equal energy, equal participation, equal ownership in the process, in the outcome. So it sounds like while you may not say the words meet me at the 50, it sounds like in spirit we're in lockstep there. Exactly. You just nailed it. Absolutely. You got to meet me at the 50. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So part of this process coming into today, as much as I know you deeply, Sue Ann, is we can, we'll be politically correct here. We'll call it a cyber stalking. So other people call it online research. And needless to say, I go to your website. We uh, really look up a lot of places you've been, lives you've touched and, and folks that you've influenced. And I absolutely love a few things that I found that were enlightening to me because it allowed me to get to know you on a deeper level. So here is one piece that I want to unpack to get your vision of what this means. Speaking in, in your words, I help clients stand in their power and remove their self-limiting beliefs. Talk to us more about that. Yes. Well, we all have self-limiting beliefs that hold us back from doing what we really want to do. Mm. And a lot of times these self-limiting beliefs come from family, friends, colleagues, other people who think they know what's best for us. And so we follow. We follow that advice in life. I mean, I'm working with a number of people right now that are telling me, oh, I don't know what my mother would say mm. if I decided to pursue my artistic talents. Or, you know, constantly having these voices. Um, will I be able to make a living if I go with my dream? Uh, because mm. they've been told for years that it's impossible to make a living as an artist. 
you know, just to give you an example. Mm -hmm. And I have a son that's an artist, and I was actually one of those people early on in life where I said, well, there's a lot of starving artists out there. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I want to say that was years ago because that is not how I talk anymore to him. (laughs) And uh, he didn't pursue art to begin with. He pursued a career that paid him well, and yet I watched how unhappy he was for years, year after year after year. And then when you're making good money, that makes it even harder Yes. to leave. Mm-hmm. And so it's all those self-limiting beliefs. I'll never be able to make money like I've made, like I'm making now. Um, you're, you're getting a lot of things from the current situation. So one question I always like to ask people when they're unhappy and they're not really going after what they want, I'll ask them, how is this serving you? Ah. Or what is this costing you? And what types of responses will you get to that? Well, when we get into the costing, I get all, that's when the real reality really sets in. Mm-hmm. It's costing fulfillment. It's costing my happiness. It's costing me sleep. Mm-hmm. It's costing my well-being. You know, there and the cost can go on and on and on. I mean, it's amazing the list that they will send me or they will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what happens after that? So so they all these things that we feel make us feel alive and fulfill us, and you're getting these self-limiting beliefs. You're you're coaching them through the process. And then what typically happens from there? They start to realize that what all these self-limiting beliefs are costing them. And at that point, they start to, I mean, often, they will start to think about some actions that they can start taking. Mm. And it's baby steps to begin with. Okay. And maybe those baby steps are, I'm going to set aside one hour each day to mm-hmm. work on what it is that they really want to do are two hours a day. And then we talk about what will support them in this. Mm. Because a lot of times we say we we will do certain things and that will start out and then it becomes tough or everything else takes right. over life and then we drop it. So when we talk about what will support you in the process, that helps solidify. They start to really think about what they need to put in place to make sure. I'm just giving you one example. I'm going to put aside one hour a day to work on this, or I'm going to talk to this person or that person, or I'm going to sign up for this class or, or whatever it is. So part of coaching is, You're setting your own actions. I don't set your actions. But Mm. we get to that point where you're ready for actions. And then at your next session, you'll report back where you're at with those actions. Okay. And so there is a form of accountability that seems to work really well for people. Mm. Part of coaching, and especially with some of the best coaches in the world, which I absolutely Uh, consider you uh, one of those, especially for me, is 
we coach from a place of personal experience. In other words, we've been through something. And so that gives us the awareness needed to be able to then support others through the journey when they may just experience it at a later stage. So if we were to unravel this, you've been coaching a lot of folks through their own self-limiting beliefs. Is there a self-limiting belief that you've encountered in your journey? And if so, I'd love to hear more about that and, and also how you overcame it. Oh, yes. I still deal with self-limiting beliefs. I think that's an ongoing journey for all of us that we're dealing with self-limiting beliefs at different times. I mean, I had a wonderful corporate career. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot. I climbed the corporate ladder to an executive role. And there was a lot of fulfillment in that. But what I realized through that journey was that something I really loved was working with corporate culture change. So I was charged oh, okay. with I was charged with leading corporate culture change for a Fortune 46 company. And I reported directly to the most phenomenal CEO I'd ever worked for, who was a fabulous leader. And that opportunity opened my eyes to a new world. And it actually opened my eyes to my passion and my gift. Wow. And that's when I was working with other executives around the world in 32 countries mm -hmm. and helping them, really serving as a partner to them in mm -hmm. their success, helping them reach more of their potential. Yeah. Now, when I say more of their potential, I don't believe we ever reach our full potential. I think that what we're capable of goes so far beyond what we ever accomplish mm. that the sky is the limit, but it takes them in the direction. It helps them with their self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. and, that, and I discovered that's where I discovered my passion. But then from there, once I realized I had this passion and it was so strong, I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in mm -hmm. organizational leadership and organizational development. I still wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? There were a lot of yeah, things I like I want I to start my own business. I, I want to do something. I, maybe it's consulting, but yet that wasn't really it. And I went through about a five-year period of a lot of self-limiting beliefs. Mm. I'm making good money where I'm at. There are parts of this I really love. But yet I had this yearning to do something on my own. It was, it was there, but I, I was so afraid. So yes, were there self-limiting beliefs? Oh my gosh, there were self-limiting beliefs like crazy. But finally, I talked to a lot of other entrepreneurs. So I started mm -hmm. interviewing entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And basically what I heard was, you have to take a leap of faith. I had, that's mm -hmm. what they were telling me. Take a leap of faith. Jump off the cliff. It's not mm -hmm. going to be easy all the time. And as you yeah. know, <laughs> right, pandemic came. 100%. Wow. Oh, my gosh. But now that I've been coaching for over 12 years, I've been an executive coach. I've watched so many people take this leap of faith. 
jump off the cliff to go after what they really wanted. And was the road bumpy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was bumpy. Nothing like what we've experienced in the last year with the pandemic. But I mean, who knows? We never know when something like that. But it wasn't easy. Right. And they stuck with it. I stuck with it. And I couldn't possibly be any happier. I mean, honestly, I just can't even imagine not doing this. And so many other people that I've worked with along the way in the last 12 years, the same thing I'll say about them. They're like, I wish I would have done it sooner. That's my only regret. And I'm not sure that I would say I wish I would have done it sooner because everything, maybe five years sooner when I was trying to figure out for that five years, but everything I did along the way led me to doing what I am doing today. And I believe it makes me more effective. That's fantastic. So, so let me ask you this, Sue Ann, you went through your journey. There were some hard left turns. There was all, there were also folks of influence and support that gave you the nudge, if you will, or the perspective to take that leap. And frankly, it's something I heard from you as well. And, and it was, but, but I was ready to hear it. You know, I always say my coach changed my life at the same time. I was also standing at the 50 yard line. I was ready. She needed to be at the 50, as was I. So there's a lot of folks listening in here in our community that perhaps they have a sense of a passion. They have that itch and they've either scratched it or maybe some of these self-limiting beliefs have gotten in the way. Let's assume we're going to come back to where you find your passions in a bit. But for right now, let's assume I know what I'm passionate about. How do you know when you're ready? How do you know when that leap is appropriate? What's the process that you should be walking through before you just take this plunge? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it depends on the person. For me, because I had such a strong need for the financial security, you know, Mm -hmm. to keep that money coming in. Sure. Is what I did is I took a class. I went to a coaching for a weekend. I took a weekend course, coaching course. Uh, Oh, prior to that, though, I did speak to a lot of different coaches. And I found out what schools they had attended. Because for me, I wanted to go, I wanted to become certified. and, And that was all, that was very important for me. I wanted to learn everything that I could learn. And a very strong value for me is if you're going to do something, be the best at it. Be the best that you can be. Yes. And knock it out of the park. And so I talked to several coaches and came up with one school that I thought would be the best for me. And I took just a weekend fundamentals course. And at the end of the three days, I knew. Uh that I was on the right path. It was interesting because they asked everyone, so what do you think? What are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And when it came to my turn, I said, I have no doubt this is what I want to do. I love this. I want to do this. The person next to me said, this has been a fabulous weekend, but I know for sure I don't want to do this for a living. Which can be equally valuable. 
that can be equally valuable to know what you want to do and also what you don't want to do. Love it. Exactly. But the only way you're going to know is if you test and learn. Yes. So if there's something you really want to do, test it out. Take a class. Try Join a project. Talk to someone who's already doing this. See how you can dip your toes in just to see if this is really what you want to do. Because I have so many people, money is such a driver, but I have so many people say, I want to do such and such because it pays well. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yes. Okay, but then when I ask them questions around, um, if you had $10 million in the bank and you could do anything you wanted to do, what would that be? And they don't mention anything about <laughs> what they're pursuing. I'm like, okay. Sudden, yeah, all of a sudden that consulting job ain't so sexy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's a good question, by the way, too, to ask yourself. If I had $10 million in the bank and no obstacles, yeah, what would I do with my life? Mm. That's powerful. That's powerful. I'm so glad you shared that. And if I could synthesize everything you just said, and I'll go back to the point where you were discussing self-limiting beliefs, then you were talking about passions. Then we came into that leap or knowing. I, I, I always call whether you end up starting your own business or not. One of the things I've loved about entrepreneurship, and it all ties back to what you said, I believe it is the path to authenticity. It is the path to authenticity, especially if you know what the other side is like. And so coming back for everybody listening in, part of what it takes to overcome these self-limiting beliefs, and everybody may have their own custom and tailored solution based on their life journey up to that point, but the common theme I hear is action. It's not this radical action. You don't need to be irresponsible and say, ooh, there's a new flavor of the month and a new uh, passion of the month, and I'm going to go take a leap that perhaps jeopardizes the stability and security of my family. Nobody is suggesting that. What we are suggesting is you're never going to know unless in your case you go to that online course, or excuse me, the weekend course, unless you pursue the certifications, you actually have to take action in order to create progress and momentum to either confirm or disconfirm that that's actually what you want. Absolutely, you're right on. And I mean, I did, once I decided that I was going to pursue coaching, then I signed up for the year-long coaching certification program, but I also had a consulting practice on the side at that ah, point. Okay. And I had a 20-month consulting um, project that I was working on. Anyways, um, so I did that side by side, and then I went into a, a second year coaching school. Okay. I went to another school. So, But after my first year, I started seeing clients. So I started building my coaching practice while I was doing consulting on mm -hmm. the side. But what I started to do is I cut back the hours on the consulting to 32 hours a week. And then I was coaching evenings, Fridays, and on the weekends. Yeah. I did that for over a year while I built the practice to the point where I could make enough money that I felt good at that point about saying, okay, 
I'm done with the consulting project. Now I'm going to focus on coaching full time. Uh, that's how I did the transition. I mean, there are some people will just, you know, leave everything and do the transition, but they have saved money. They have money in the bank. Sure. And they prepare for it. So, you know, it's whatever feels right for you. As we take a quick break from today's interview, a reminder of gratitude for our sponsor, Audible, who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. If there's one thing I've seen in most successful people that I've come across, there are a few consistent habits, none greater than the daily practice of leveling up through the power of reading. Some of us like to crack a book open, while others prefer to listen in to our favorite authors narrate their written work of art. What could be better than a platform like Audible to make this habit a reality? To download your free audiobook today, go to audible.playmakerspod.com. It's time to level up. Yeah, and, and it takes me back to something we were discussing before we hopped on today uh, in our pre-chat. And you said, and I wrote this down because I think it applies very well to what we're discussing. I wrote down, everybody can do it, but will they do the work? That was something that you shared with me in terms of what we've been hearing from folks. Everybody has the same opportunity in front of them, but few will do the work. And so you had to, on the side, do the work. A lot of people would talk about it, but you actually did it and you set yourself up to eventually take that responsible look into understanding this is the path, this is the passion. So I love that, but ultimately we can't get anywhere unless we're willing to do the work. So I think that's great perspective that you shared. And so if I could take it back, and I mentioned that we would be reversing track a little bit here. We've been talking about, so I feel like I understand my passion, and now we explored what the potential mindset and process is on whether it's the right move to pursue that passion. You and I have a heavy bias toward yes, but again, we're also sharing some methodology around how to do it in a responsible fashion. So let's go back even before that. I don't know what my passion is, and actually I'll apply it to the work that you do because one thing that I saw was that whenever you're doing career coaching relative to values, skills, strengths, and passions, those are your ideal aspects of how you want to build a career path. So in other words, mirror your career path to lean into your values, your skills, your strengths, and your passions. So whether you want to tackle those one by one or whether you want to tackle them as a group, what if I don't have a perspective? I don't know what my values are. I don't know perhaps what my strongest skills are, what my strengths are, what my passions are, how would you respond or how would you step into a process like that if I was your client and saying that I don't have awareness around those things? Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's common, that people do not have awareness around those things. Mm. We really don't take that much time. Uh, we're just so busy in life, we don't take that time to really think about those things. And that's one of the things, as you know, when in the coaching engagement, that we cover all of those things. 
Got it. And that's where you really begin to discover the self-awareness. But I think it's so good to do it with another person because as my client is talking about their values with me, for example, but we've already had conversations, I will start pointing out I notice that you really have a strong value about around being authentic. Mm-hmm. I also have heard your value around transparency and around travel, how much mm-hmm. you love to travel and how that lights you up. So a lot of times they can, they'll bring up values to me, but I've actually also noticed others in the things they've said to me that are even bigger for them. Ah. Because when I say it, they'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) That is so true. So that's why I think it's such a good idea to work with another person when you're doing something like this. I mean, you can take a list of values and you can check off which ones you think are you. Sure. But it's really different when you sit with another person who knows you well and who has asked you questions about you. They can really help you nail those top 10 values or five values right. or whatever. No, that's fantastic. What, what's, what do you think? How did you discover your values? Well, I went through a very intentional exercise to be uh, open about it. It was a part of finding my why. And I always say that if my why was my North Star, so that's my greater purpose, the challenge with only finding your why, and I, I don't say only to diminish it, but I don't think it's the full picture. It, my why got me inspired to take the first step. That's my North Star. However, now what do I do on Monday morning? How do I make it tangible, concrete? actionable. And that's where my values came into play. So out of the same offsite retreat experience, when I was back in a leadership role at the Niners, it was two days fully spent on finding your why and understanding your core values and values the way I would simply put it in context. They have served as my lens for how I show up, meaning how I make decisions, my behaviors, my actions, I source all of that back to my values. So the why got me out of bed and it got me headed in the right direction, but what actually made me better on Monday were my core values. So if I could bucket it, your why is your purpose, your values are your who. And that's something you've talked to me about because I'm, I'm the why guy. I always am beating the drum of the why. And in one of our sit downs, I specifically remember you said, I think of that as your who. So I, that's fantastic. And, and, and quickly, I, I, I do want to un- unpack some of this, but for everybody listening in, how would you define your who? It's your being. So you have your doing and then you have your being. Um, who you are, what you're feeling, uh, what their emotions are. When you think, when you mention the values, the drive, the mastery, the passion, those those are some of my values. That's part of my who. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that does encompass a lot of your values in your who who you're being. How are you living your life? Not 
What are your actions? That's part of your who also. So actions speak louder than words, right? Yes, yes, yes. So who you are. In coaching, we're really more about the who than the what. 100%. Because when we really look at that, that's what really drives us is the who. And that's what can take us to full fulfillment. Not always does the what take us to fulfillment. Right. But understanding who you are, who you're being, who you want to be as a person, that's that's the who, the deeper. Yeah. Yeah. And you just said your what doesn't always take you to a place of fulfillment. I would argue it rarely does unless your what connects to your why and your who. If you're just doing the what, you could be the highest paid consultant in the world. That's fantastic for your pocketbook. But if it doesn't align to who you are and why you serve and what gets you out of bed, ultimately it becomes hollow. And and this takes me back to a famous Tony Robbins quote where he said that success without fulfillment is failure. Mm. Success without fulfillment is failure. And so if we unpack that, what does winning look like? And when we're early to mid-career, and I'll just put this out there, this is how I thought. I thought success was title, money, responsibilities. What company do I work for? What company do I keep? What brand do I represent? And so I was what, 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 what? And then I had my transformation of finding my why. And then all that other stuff, like working in the sports industry and being a 49er, while they were fantastic, that was my what. It was not my core identity. It was not how I wanted to be defined. And so I shifted from success to significance. And so that's that whole shift there. And and so to make this concrete for everybody, because right now it sounds like this is a great inspirational talk, I actually want to take a moment to make it concrete. When we were speaking on values and how those show up, how can we implement them on Monday morning? So my core values, in no particular order, my core five are belief, growth, authenticity, courage, and impact. And once those five words governed my life, once they drove the decisions, courage, yes, take the leap of faith, not only once from sports, but second time into starting my own company, impact, got it from my dad. That's why I was inspired to be a great leader. He impacted countless lives for being an educator of underprivileged youth. That became my calling card because I said, if I could have one-tenth of the impact he had, then it'll be a great life. Until I sourced my values, those things were inside of me, but I needed to see them on paper for it to actually change my life. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you and that, that the values will drive you. That is so important to be clear on your values. Absolutely. And if you're going to, if you're working, we've talked a lot about starting our own business or whatever, but mm-hmm. how you run your company needs to be around the values. But also, if you're working for a company, it's absolutely important that your values align with that company's values. I mean, it is so important. It's a game changer. It's absolutely a game changer. I mean, one thing that I always say to people, you take a good person 
and you put them in a bad system and that system always wins because sometimes people don't think that the culture matters that much and then they get in and they're like oh my goodness wow because sometimes you can't do great work in a bad system in a toxic system but even if it isn't a toxic system but your values don't align you are not going to be happy in that role so everything i the values check values are just critical in all aspects of our life to run our decisions around uh by our values to make sure that the decisions we're making align with our values. The same thing needs to happen in your job. You need to be running everything by your values. Yes, they're absolutely critical in the foundation. I 100% agree with you, Paul. Yeah. and, And from an organizational perspective, if we talk about values, some organizations, they're solely words on the wall. It's a check the box. If you want to know if they truly live them, you actually have to spend a day in the life. You actually have to connect. It's a red flag if you're not able to immerse yourself in their culture before they ask you to become one of them because you actually need to ask yourself, is this my tribe? Is this my tribe? Like when, when we were in the MBA program together, you obviously as my coach, my favorite part was hosting recruits and candidates and they would have one or two reactions at the end of the lunch hour. It was, this is my tribe or this is not. And I said, hallelujah, both are equally valuable and that's why you need a day in the life. So to take us to a place, we're gonna make a slightly left turn here. You talked about going back to your corporate culture change experience, and you said that you had the blessing of working for a phenomenal CEO. So we have many both current and formal positional leaders listening into this right now, and also aspiring leaders. They want that formal seat. They're currently in an individual contributor role, but they're hustling, they're trying to level up, they're trying to grow personally and professionally. So if we could curate what makes a great leader, you have an extraordinary level of experience and depth and knowledge and expertise in leadership. So if we could simplify maybe a handful of traits that you feel define what makes a great leader. Well, what makes a great leader when I reflect back on this person that so much changed my life is he put people first. And that was obvious from day one that he put people first. He held you accountable, held people accountable, but the fact that he put people first made people want to work hard, mm-hmm. even harder for him. He made it, there was a lot of psychological safety, uh, but I would say that the, the main thing is he was a visionary. He had mm-hmm. big dreams. He put people first. He was consistent. He lived by values. We established values together when we were doing the corporate culture change with the executive team. We established the vision, mission, and values for the organization. And then we implemented it in every system we could implement the values, the vision, and the mission. I mean, in the performance review system. So, for example, the values, people's performance was based on 50% on your performance and meeting mm-hmm. your goals and your objectives and 50% on your values, wow. on the corporate values. 
So it was just as, as important to have good behavior as it was to have good performance. And it was required to have both. And as you know, we had this, we had this four square box where we had people that had good performance and bad behavior. And then mm-hmm. we had the box where people had bad behavior or vice versa, you know. And yeah. then, so what we always talked about is if they're not there yet, we will coach, 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 change. So in other words, we will coach them to get there and we will coach them again. And if they don't get there, then we change. They have to mm-hmm. move out of the organization. And that was very effective. So the values weren't just put up on the wall. The values were part of the hiring process, the interviewing. You have to hire the right people to begin with. And I know, you know, people hear this all the time, but that is absolutely critical. But you need to know what you stand for as an organization first Mm -hmm. before you can bring in the right people and know that they're the right people. And so then we were hiring the right people. And when you hire the right people, that's only going to lead to success. And so, you know, a lot of people said, well, how did you measure this culture change? And that how we measured it was through the improvement on our employee satisfaction, our employee engagement survey went just so much improvement in that. It was Mm -hmm. incredible. Our customer satisfaction index, I mean, it was it went through the roof. It was phenomenal. And our profitable growth skyrocketed. So that's how we showed that the culture change was working. But it was all set around values. And Mm. so this executive, you asked, you know, what made him such a strong leader is he was consistent. He put people first. He was approachable. He, his why in life was to develop great leaders. Love that. And that's how he lived each day. In fact, I think at this point, he probably has at least 10 people that he's mentored along the way and more and more that have become CEOs of key companies. Mm -hmm. But that was always his, his driving force. He was positive. He was energetic. He was driven. You could always count on him. Consistent behavior. I mean, I could just go on and on. We're still friends to this day. And that's a huge testament. Frankly, I could tell you if I could split up or really, if I said I have four quarters in my leadership journey and I loved who Paul was in the first and the fourth and the second and the third, I became obsessed with results and organizational outcomes sometimes at the sacrifice of putting people first. And I'm vulnerable enough to admit that. But in reality, what changed was, and here's how, here's my measuring stick. And it's not like I think one of the characteristics of leadership is you should be friends with every one of your team members. That's not what I'm saying. But lo and behold, if I could look back a decade or a decade and a half in those first and fourth quarters, I still got a ton of friends. I still got a ton of friends, didn't develop very many friends in the second and third quarter. So it's interesting how you don't need to show up with that mindset, but that can be one of the measuring sticks as you reflect back and ask yourself, how do you want to be remembered? 
And so that's a legacy building piece. And if his legacy is to develop great leaders, then that's why you're talking about him years and years later. So as we enter the fourth quarter of our time together here, more rapid fire and would love to just get to know Sue Ann. And so uh, just curious, you could have coffee with one person, dead or alive, who would you want to have a cup of coffee with? And what's one thing that you would want to learn from them? Well, it's interesting. It's, it's the CEO that first oh. comes to mind for me is he lives in another state and he's, he's retired now, although he serves on multiple boards. But I think I would like to have a cup of coffee with him and ask him if, if this was something, his way of leadership, how he developed that. I would really like to know how he developed such phenomenal leadership skills. I never really asked him that. It was just, I, I know that he read, he would be reading like five books at a time. Sure. He read every book he could read on leadership. But it was even deeper than that. It was something, it just seemed like it was a part of who he was. And so, and what's his name? Jerry Stead. Jerry? Jerry Stead. So if Jerry was to answer that, here's exactly how I learned everything I know about leadership. What would you do with that new learning? I feel like I've learned so much from him because I had the opportunity of working with him. But I'm sure there would be additional learning. And so I would want to share that with others. Yeah. Pay it forward. Uh-huh. Yes. Great. Okay. All right. This one's going to be a little bit of a curveball here. So, Sue Ann, if we were to film a movie about your life, <laughs> who would play you and why? I love the laughter. Take a moment. We film a movie about your life. Who would play you and why? Oh, my. Wow. Probably Nicole Kidman. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Love it. So I don't Nicole? know. Because, you know, she can be a serious, she can really play those serious parts really well. And my life hasn't always been easy. And I've always worked really hard. And why I would want that, because I think that she would be able to play the journey well that got me to where I am today. I mean, I'm incredibly happy and fulfilled yeah. and life is incredible. And I've always had that positive outlook on life, but it doesn't mean that there weren't tough times. Yeah, and we're living through it, frankly, right now. We, we could say that this the recent chapter of life for many people 2020 wasn't easy for anybody. It, it leveled the playing field 100%. So, so that's great perspective. And so as we zoom out, it, since we're talking more about the world in this moment, what's one thing that you think the world needs more of right now? And after you answer that, what's the first thing you would do to tackle it? Well, I noticed that the world, there is more of this already, but I'd like it to continue as more compassion I do like the leveling of the playing field and mm -hmm. the compassion for one another. 
um, I've really, I was, we sweat the small stuff so much. Yeah. And I would say, let that small stuff go. It just doesn't matter. And just have compassion and know that everybody is doing the best that they can do mm. in that moment. Compassion. Mm. Fantastic. So in terms of just your recent thought process, what, if anything, have you been thinking about lately, especially something that may contradict a commonly held truth? So the world thinks this, you maybe have a different view. What recent thoughts have been going through your mind? Well, the, the biggest thing that's been going through my mind lately is I'm in the process of reading the book, the... Uh, the Last Word on Power by oh. Tracy Goss. Okay. The Last Word on Power. Yes, The Last Word on Power. The book has been out for a while, but she's she, she coaches. She's a coach, but she's she works with key corporations in, in New York. And she talks about how we all develop a winning strategy in life. Mm -hmm. And that that winning strategy is keeping us from what's possible for us. And so through reading the book, I discovered that my winning strategy has always been work really hard uh, and then always go the extra mile. Yeah. And that's been my winning strategy in life. And that's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily your winning strategy is bad. But what is that keeping me from having? And so I've really, because working really hard, I've used that to cover up things too. Sure. It's my escape. What am I not facing? And, or what is it, what are some other things that I want to be doing that I'm not doing because I'm working so hard? Yeah. And so that's on my mind a lot right now. Okay. Is after reading that book, what is it like for for example i one thing that's come to mind is i have a daughter in new york and i have a son in dallas texas and i don't i haven't seen them in years so maybe that's why it's so top of mind mm -hmm. and i miss them so much and i know that when i'm with them i comes i am so alive Love it's that. like i have everything that i need right here yeah. And so I've actually been thinking about developing a new winning strategy or something new and maybe living in New York part of the year, living in Dallas part of the year. I mean, these are some things I've been thinking about. Yeah, you're thinking about. I love that. I mean, it's not like I'm going to change it tomorrow, but as I look at the, <laughs> the winning strategy, <laughs> I yeah. just had a visitor join me. No, no, it will... A wonderful, yes, another member of the family just walked in the room here for those that are seeing this. But if you're listening in, yes, uh, that's Coco that just popped in the room. She was able to push the door open. <laughs> hey, that, that's how Coco rolls. All right. So you just mentioned a book of the last word on power. And so just rapid fire, uh, everybody listening in is all about personal and professional growth. And so if you were talking to somebody that wants growth, somebody that seeks impact, somebody that wants to make a play in life, 
Could you think of one or two books you would immediately recommend and or one or two TED Talks? Just like a rapid fire. What should we be diving into in the next 30 days to level up? Oh, well, another really good book is Positive Intelligence by Shazad Chamang. Mm-hmm. And that I've started reading. I've got like five books going right now. Another book I really like on leadership is Flex, The Art and Science of Leadership in a Changing World nice. by Jeffrey Hole. Fantastic. Um, yeah, those are the top okay. books right now that I'm reading, that I'm enjoying. I also just highly recommend, if they can, to be working with a coach, if that's what they want to do in life is really step into it and and start working yeah. with somebody to create it a hundred percent i i would i would adopt the same mindset in the same way it changed my life i know there's countless folks out there that sometimes a partner and somebody meeting you at the 50 can be exactly what you need to level up unleash your impact accomplish those dreams that perhaps those self-limiting beliefs are getting in the way so my final question for you sue ann and i i'm not going to ask it exactly as you do but I, I'm going to do my best here to reflect back on your $10 million question. And so I'm going to ask it back to you now. So if you had $10 million in the bank and all of your responsibilities, your obligations are taken care of, what would you like to spend the rest of your life working toward? I would want to continue doing what I'm doing right now. So I know I'm doing the right thing. I would want to continue working with people and finding their gifts and helping them follow their dreams, achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. And I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy working with people and doing a lot of other things that I work with. I mean, I just love working with people and helping them Mm -hmm. be authentic and to be the best that they can be and to feel more fulfilled. That's what I want. I want people to be fulfilled and happy. So I would continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So I know I've arrived. The only thing that I would change is maybe I would like to live in near my kids just different times of the year, you know, spend a month or two in each place. Beautifully said, Sue Ann. Couldn't have put it any better. So for everybody out there chasing fulfillment, and if that is the winning formula, you'll know because you will feel alive with that. Thank you so much, Sue Ann, for joining Playmakers. Know that you have impacted countless lives by spending time with us again together today. So thank you from the bottom of my heart again for changing my life. And if you've had a ripple effect on others, then today was a day well spent. Keep continuing to be a Playmaker, Sue Ann. Thank you. Thank you so much, Paul. What a cool conversation with Sue Ann. And I hope that now after listening into that, that you can gain a sense of why she's just been such an inspiration for me. She's been a life changer. She's awesome. I'm honored and humbled to have her in my life. And now it's about all of us as playmakers to double click on the key insight that she made us aware of. We all have a self-limiting belief. The key is, Do we know what it is? Do we know what it's getting in the way of? And what are we going to do about it? So here's what I want you to think about. What is one goal that you have in life? And it's been a goal for a while, but you've struggled to take action to get closer to it. Identify that goal now. 
then put some thought into what has been getting in the way. This is the self-limiting belief. Is there something in terms of a fear you have? Is it about the risk involved? Are you anxious about it? Is it based on the level of uncertainty? Is there a family reason, financial reason? Just think about that hurdle, the obstacle. Why have you not taken action? So you've got that prominent goal. You've now identified what that self-limiting belief is. What's the hurdle? And now, what's one action that you can take to get one step closer to achieving that goal? Maybe you can take that action already on your own and you've identified it. If so, awesome. Otherwise, maybe that action, just as I had Sue Ann in my corner, maybe the action is you actually connecting with another person to talk through the questions that I just laid out. If it's not an executive coach, it can be a mentor, it can be a friend. The most important is it takes a village to create positive change. And sometimes this can be a two-person village. You and a coach, you and a mentor, you and a loved one, you and a friend. That is our Make a Place segment for this episode. I hope that you can seriously dig into it and would love to hear how your experience was. Feel free to DM me on social or shoot me an email, paul at paulepsteinspeaks.com. Go out there and make a play. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And for all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from today's show, but all previous episodes as well. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. If you gained significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, give us a five-star rating. And between now and the next Playmakers episode, let's stay connected. Hit me up on LinkedIn, at Paul Epstein, or Instagram, at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Motown Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high-impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers. Playmakers.